0: family that bless your heart this morning Ah, that was good i appreciate the harris family better better known as chase harris and the gospel echoes and uh, that was good i like that (laughs) i like that my lord is taking good care of me i want to preach this morning on the simple subject thank god for calvary Heavenly Father, I'm overwhelmed, and I have been all night and morning as I think about what you did for us on Calvary's tree. Thank you for loving us, Lord, when we were unlovable. And thank you, Lord, that when we could not come to where you are, you came to us. And I pray that you would help this morning in the preaching of your word. I pray you would anoint it with a fresh anointing, Of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord Jesus Christ was both human and divine. One cannot be emphasized over or without the other. Jesus has one nature, equally human and equally divine. Jesus was a flesh and blood human being. He felt the emotions we feel. He underwent the hurts that we experienced. And Jesus thirsted just as much as you and I have ever thirsted. Jesus, however, was also the divine express image of God. He was the anointed Messiah in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And for that reason, he is able to give satisfaction to the deepest longings of our hearts and of our souls. Jesus can give what no other human being is able to give. With Jesus alone is forgiveness and grace and mercy. His love reaches us in whatever situation we may find ourselves in. And as the scripture says, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Because he is fully divine, we can be assured. We can be assured that there is nothing in heaven or earth that is outside his power. And it is because Jesus thirsted on the cross of Calvary that he can quench forever the deepest longings and thirstings of our soul. And because he said, I thirst since my salvation, I've never had to. It is because Jesus suffered rejection and cruelty that Jesus is able to offer healing to us. It is because Jesus died on the cross that he meets us in the place of death and transforms it into a place Of eternal life. Because Jesus suffered the thirst. And paid the payment for our sin. You and I. Are not only set free. We're satisfied in him. Until Jesus comes. I want to give you four simple statements. To outline the passage of scripture. That we read a part of this morning. And as I made note of the chapter, I made note, first of all, of the trip to Calvary. Some trips we look forward to. Some trips we're anxious and we prepare for and we're ready for those trips. Perhaps this week will be a week that you'll make a trip to see a family member, a loved one, or all of your family will get together and you'll look forward to that trip, that time together, that being there, that travel home But the trip to Calvary, can you imagine? Can you imagine the difficulty of that trip? First of all, I want to note that it was the plan of God. Now, if you'll notice, the Bible says in our text verse, in verse number uh, 16, Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them. This is talking about Pilate. May I say this morning, while Jesus may have been delivered by Pilate. It was not Pilate's plan. It was the plan of God before the foundation of the world that Jesus would make the trip to Golgotha's hill. It was the plan of God from the foundation of the world that Jesus would go to Calvary and pay for your sin and mine. For you see, Calvary was not an accident. Calvary was a divine appointment. I noticed not only the, the the plan of the trip, I noticed the place of Calvary. The Bible calls it the place of a skull. This was and is a place associated with death. It was a place prepared not only by men to take the lives of men. It was a place prepared by the Father himself where he would exchange the life of his Son for the life of all of mankind that would put their faith and trust in him. I notice the pain of Calvary. Verse number 17 tells us that he carried his cross to Calvary. We know from Other accounts, a man named Simon of Cyrene uh, helped to carry the cross of Christ because on his journey, the Bible says, uh, he fell beneath the load. And when that uh, soldier uh, tapped him and touched him and told him, uh, you have to... Help Jesus carry the cross. He had no choice but to carry at the cross of Christ and to help him. And we understand when he left Pilate's judgment hall, he had been beaten beyond what any human being should suffer. Uh, And the Bible tells us that after that beating uh, that Jesus bore the cross on his back until he fell beneath the load. And I want to point out in verse number 18 as Jesus was crucified and After being beaten, they nailed the Lord to the cross with the spikes through his hands and through his feet. Imagine the pain and agony of that experience. But again, I remind you, it was not the plan of a man. It was the plan of God before the foundation of the world. For Christ was paying for your sin and mine on the cross of Calvary and of the many things that we have to be thankful for in this day and in these days ahead as we celebrate the national holiday of Thanksgiving none of it would be possible had Jesus not gone to Calvary and paid for your sin and mine isn't it interesting that Pilate thought and the Roman soldiers thought that they were taking away not only the person of Christ but of the power of Christ. And I notice as I make known of this make note of this trip and uh, uh, getting to Calvary in verse number 18 while it may seem that all of the power and all of the strength of Christ has been taken away if you listen closely, Jesus is hanging between two men, between two thieves, and one calls on Christ uh, uh, to be his personal Savior. And while it may appear his power was gone, the power of salvation took place before their very eyes as Jesus said to that man, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Ah, you can make him bleed and you can put the crown of thorns on his head and you can mock him and you can spit on him and you can buffet him uh, with your fist and hands and mock him and blindfold him and do whatever you want to do. But you'll never take away the power of salvation because God has invested in his son the power of salvation and it was demonstrated in front of all of that crowd as that uh, Lord Jesus said, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I notice then the testimony of Calvary. I love this part. In verses 19 to 24, I make note of the testimony. And I notice first the testimony of the sign that Pilate put. Above the cross. Notice with me again if you will in verse number 19 that we read. But we find a little more detail in the coming verses. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest to the, of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. I think it's interesting to note that it was written in Hebrew, for Hebrew was the language of religion. It was written in Greek, which was the language of philosophy and culture. By the way, Greek was also the common language of the day. It was also written in Latin. That was the language of law and government and what they were saying in mockery was true in reality for the sign told everyone that passed by whether they were Greek whether they were reading in Latin or whether they were reading in Hebrew it was saying for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 23 and 24 gives the testimony of the gambling. And there's a whole lot here. By the way, any time I think of gambling, I think of this part of the crucifixion story. And I always relate gambling with crooks. Verse 23, then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart and also his coat. Now, notice, now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it or tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled which saith they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did according to psalm chapter 22 verse number 18 it was prophesied that they would gamble for the garment of christ but the picture in this garment is very special especially if you study the old testament law and you study the clothes that the priest and the high priest wore for example the seamless garment which was to be worn The seamless garment was to be worn by the high priest of Israel as a part of his ceremonial garment and dress. Read Exodus chapter 39. This was to remind him as he put on that seamless overcoat. It was to remind him that he was going into the presence of God without blemish and without flaw. This was a picture of the Lord Jesus and what he was about to do as our great high priest. For Jesus did not just die on the cross. He is our high priest, took the blood that was shed on Calvary. He took it to the mercy seat in heaven and he sprinkled the blood for the Bible says without the shedding of blood uh, there is no atonement and the blood of Christ was was sprinkled on the on the mercy seat in heaven as a testimony that your sins and mine were paid for it is also interesting to note that the night before Israel's high priest had rent his own garment in the presence of Jesus This was forbidden by law according to Leviticus 21 in verse number 10. Ah, but it was an end. It was a picture of the end. I said it was a picture of the end of the high priestly system in Israel. For no longer would they need a high priest of man. They could go to the very throne of grace and talk to God through Jesus the high priest himself also when jesus died the veil of the temple was torn in twain it was rent from the top to the bottom this was a picture of the end of the old testament system for when christ died he was the only one whose garments were not torn and those heathen gambling soldiers that cared nothing for christ in their selfishness did not want to hurt the value of the garment and ignorantly not knowing that our sovereign god is in control after they had torn the one garment would not tear the outer garment because they wanted to make it valuable and they said hey we'll we'll give it to the one who wins it Little did they know they were only fulfilling the prophecy of God The prophecy of the word of God And it was a picture that the old system had forever passed away And that we now have a new high priest and Christ alone I was witnessing to a good man recently, a religious man A man who attended church But he said, it seems odd to me that when I confess my sins to a priest, it just doesn't doesn't seem right. In fact, he said, it seems more right when I'm out in the woods by myself. He said, I feel closer to God in a hunting stand when I can just talk to God just directly. He said, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. I said, I got some good news for you. I got my Bible out on that airplane and I showed him. There's but one mediator between God and man. And that's the God-man, Christ Jesus. And you can go directly to God in prayer through Christ. Because he's the one that died on the cross and paid for your sin. In ten minutes, that young man, a uh, 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 an employee of a Tesla company and worked for them, he bowed his head and out loud he prayed and went through the one mediator to the Father in heaven, Jesus Christ, and he gave him eternal life right there that day. I noticed the trip. I noticed the testimony. You can't go to Calvary without noticing the triumph or the victory of Calvary. You'll find it recorded in verses 25 through 30. While Calvary was a place of pain, it was a place of suffering, and it was a place of death. We're given three statements of triumph from the cross. And these statements all proclaim that this was nowhere the end of Christ. Ah, but it was the beginning of a new day of life in Christ. There's the triumph of compassion. You have to notice this in verse number 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. When others had run in fear or shame, Standing by the cross is the mother of the Lord Jesus. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, He saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Could you pause for just a few minutes and remember the day that she realized that the child was conceived in her womb, but it was was a time of confusion, for she had not known man. And the Bible says that she, she pondered these things in her heart a special messenger of God, an angel came to her and revealed to her that she was the chosen virgin that God would use. All of the pondering and all of the wondering, all of the days and the life and the workings of the miracles of Christ are being fulfilled. And Jesus does not say in pity, but he says in fulfillment of the will of the Father, woman, Behold thy son. He was fulfilling the will of God. Then saith he to the disciple. Behold thy mother. And from that hour. That disciple took her. Unto his own home. A testimony. A triumph of compassion. Jesus loved his mother. There was the triumph of of connection, verses 28 and 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I can understand all that's going on, but I understand thirst. I understand what it means to have a need, a physical need, whether it be thirst or hunger, whatever the case may be, his agony and the conditions that he had endured that day. It's ironic to me the one that made the creeks and the streams and the rivers said, I thirst. It is ironic to me the one who filled the mighty oceans and established the boundaries of the oceans cried, I thirst. Surely his body was thirsty that day. Psalm number 22 prophesied and gave a description of it. And if you consider the darkness of that day, along with the pain, the isolation, the thirst, the separation from the Father, everything but the flames, you have a picture of hell. I said everything but the flames, you have a picture of hell. When Jesus was on the cross, he was enduring the payment for our sin. But because he thirsted that day, I'm satisfied today. Can I say it again? Because he thirsted that day. I'm satisfied today. That thirst within man that nothing in this world can feel was satisfied. When I said just as a little boy, not hardly six years old, Jesus, I want you to be my personal savior. He saved my soul and he satisfied the longings of my heart. Then there's a triumph of completion. Look at verse number 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The final word recorded by John is, it is finished. Perhaps you've heard the Greek word, te telestai. T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-I. Tetelestai. It is in the perfect tense. Don't miss this statement. Here's what tetelestai means. Something that took place in the past, but has an abiding and an eternal result. Something that took place in the past, but it has an, an abiding and an eternal result. It stands finished and always will be finished, as Jesus said, Te, telestai. This was a common word of that day. It was used by the servant who had been given an assignment by his master. He would come back and he would say, it is finished. Or tetelestai. It was used by an artist who had completed work on a painting as he would make the final stroke with the brush and paint, he would declare, it is finished. It was used commonly by the merchant who had sold merchandise on credit. But after some time and the bill had been paid in full, He would take out pen and quill or quill and ink and he would write on his ledger, it is finished. And when Jesus used this word from the cross, he was saying, Father, as a servant, I have finished the task. I have applied the final stroke to the picture of salvation and I have made the final payment For the price of sin, it is paid in full. Thank God our salvation rests on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. It is done. It is complete. To be saved I have to do nothing but lean on what has already been done on Calvary. There's nothing left for you or me to do except to receive the precious and wonderful gift of eternal life by grace through faith in him. Verses 31 through 37, they describe the treasure of Calvary. Verse 31, the Bible says this, Then Jesus, therefore, because it was the preparation, the Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now, if you're a student of prophecy, you know that it was prophesied that his bones would not be broken. Now the reason they would break the bones or break the legs of one that had been crucified because when they hung on the cross, they could not breathe. And so to get a breath, they would push themselves up with their feet, with that spike going through their feet. And when they would push themselves up, it would push air into their lungs, and they would breathe again they would hang there until almost their death had come and they would push up one more time and would give breath in their lungs to breathe again because they could not leave those bodies remember they were close to the city where the Jews lived they could not leave those bodies there because the next day was a Sabbath day they said to Pilate can we break their legs That way they will die. They can't push themselves up anymore. But if they broke the legs of Jesus, the prophecy would not be fulfilled that none of his bones were broken. Verse 32. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, saw that he was dead already they break not his legs but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith there came out blood and water now what does it say and water in reading what a variety of doctors have written about this phrase. They say when a person dies, the platelets and the serum in the blood separate. So the water in blood separates at death, postpartum. So when they put the spear in the side of Jesus, the Bible said blood and water came out You understand all along they thought they were crucifying Christ. He gave his life. And when they came and the others still alive, they broke their legs. They just pierced the side of Jesus. He was already dead because you know in the other passage it said, Father into thy hands I commend my spirit. We have much to be thankful for this week. And you ought to thank God for every physical thing that you have. Thank you for your house, your clothes, your cars, your food. Everything you have. But please remember this week, none of that, absolutely none of that would have any value were it not for Calvary. Perhaps you're here today and you've never received the gift of eternal life. Salvation is not given through a church church. It's not given through a ceremony, it's given by grace through faith. If You simply believe that you're a sinner and you believe that Christ's payment for your sins was made at Calvary and you would accept that payment. He gave to you eternal life today. Stand with me this morning. I thank God for Calvary. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the price that was paid on that day. And Lord, I'm thankful that that's not the end of the story as your body was taken and placed in Joseph's tomb. Three days later, you arose from the grave victorious. And I'm thankful that not even that ends the story for when you ascended, The angels reminded of the promise, the same Jesus that you've seen go shall so come in like manner. And as we see around us in our world today prophecies are fulfilled, we know that your return is soon to come. And I pray this morning if there's one person that's never received you as Savior that this morning they would trust you as their personal Savior. Bless our invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he sings on the invitation song, the altar is open this morning. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for what Christ did on Calvary. Many material, physical blessings of possession we enjoy, but none are greater than the wonderful and great gift of eternal life given to us.